Listener Production. Better economic news spurs Wall Street higher overnight. And Aussie shares expected to end the week much stronger ahead of key Chinese economic data. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Friday the 15th of September. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, we saw muscular gains for US and European stocks overnight. Let's quickly run through the prices to give the listeners some context. The Dow up by a percent at the close of the session. The S&P 500 up 0.8 of a percent, which was an outcome shared by the Nasdaq, which was up by 0.8 of a percent as well. European markets, gee, they did well last night. Gains of uh, almost 2% for the FTSE, the French market up 1.2%, the German DAX up 1%, the Stocks 600 index, the broader measure of European stock performance up by 1.5%. There's a lot to unpack. Let's get into it. Uh, why don't we start with Europe? Uh, the European Central Bank raised rates by a quarter of a percent to a new record high of 4%. It was a pretty dovish hike, wasn't it? It certainly was in what might have been the closest decision in the European Central Bank's quarter century history, Tom. Its governing council decided on a 10th consecutive increase of its official deposit rate, and it's probably going to be the last for the cycle. So well, that's what they're saying. We heard from Christine Lagarde, the president of the ECB, and she cited at least twice in her post-meeting briefing, concluding that interest rates have reached levels that will make a substantial contribution to the timely return of inflation to target. But of course, the increase could make a substantial contribution to the slowing of the Eurozone economy, Tom. Well, look, there was a quote where she offered a caveat saying that they can't say that they're now at a peak which wasn't covered as much. Uh, there was a lot of volume offered to the very dovish nature of things. So, you know, I think Ms. Lagarde is being quite reasonable seeing what is going on elsewhere in the world, uh, particularly with energy prices at the moment. You know, being able to call a peak with rates at the moment, you'd be letting go of um, your ammunition a bit early. Well, with oil hovering around 90 bucks a barrel at the moment. Indeed. They may have been a little bit premature with their views, but certainly Euro money supply has turned negative and we have seen those business surveys around the services and manufacturing sectors, both in contraction or thereabouts. And the ECB may have blundered into a stagflationary trap in my view. Yeah, indeed. I think it was a misstep to be couching things the way they did in that statement. Uh, for what it's worth, the interest rate markets took them at face value because there was a solid fall or rally in bond yields. So you had two-year government bonds in Germany down three basis points to 3.13%, a 10-year down by almost six basis points to 258 uh, On the cusp of such an event, that is quite meaningful, that fall in long and short-term interest rates. Absolutely. The euro fell against the dollar by 0.7% to its lowest level since May. And as you say, the 10-year German bond yield fell. That's a really unusual reaction when central banks hike interest rates in particular. And that's really on the back of market expectations, rapidly shifting to this being the last of the ECB's 40-month hiking cycle. So uh, we, we saw a very positive reaction from share markets on the back of that. In fact, it was the strongest performance since March. And we did see the rate-sensitive real estate sector advance 3% as those bond yields retreated. And we also saw, at the same time, mining stocks gained 4.2% as iron ore prices hit a five-month high. That's true. Uh, Anglo-American shares up by 7% in UK trade. Rio Tinto shares up 3.5%. Glencore up 2% of Anglo-American, probably uh, under-celebrated for its ownership of De Beers, the uh, the great 
diamond miner, which was founded by Cecil Rhodes and the Rothschild family. And certainly on the back of all those UK-listed commodity or resources producers performing well, we saw the FTSE 100 index outpace regional peers with a 2% rise. Indeed. So um, what was feeding into that improvement for the miners was uh, additionally uh, news that the Chinese central bank will be cutting uh, or had cut its reserve requirement ratios for Chinese lenders by a pretty decent clip rhyme, which made quite a difference in terms of the atmospherics around what China is doing to support its economy. Absolutely. And we also saw, of course, a continuation of some of those policy initiatives over the course of the last couple of days, support iron ore prices, as I mentioned. Iron ores hit a five-month high and steel mills are ramping up production before a seasonal pickup in construction over the summer. I find that interesting that you're seeing Chinese steel mills pick up production, but yet uh, inventory levels are up by about 7% since the latter part of August. So, you know, it'd be interesting to watch this space where iron ore is concerned, whether or not this rally can be sustained because, you know, you're not looking at inventory levels at rock bottoms. So as opposed to oil, which is which we'll get to in a moment. Yeah, it's a really good point, Tom. Data showed that steel stockpiles increased in early September compared to late August. That may be a signal that increased demand period has had a soft start, but we have seen blast furnace operating rates and capacity utilisation rates continue to increase, while molten iron output has also rose month on month. So all eyes today, Tom, will be on the Chinese economic data, but we'll talk about that a bit later because we need to speak about the US. Indeed. There was a lot going on in the United States. Uh, What featured heavily were figures on the US economy that showed that it's performing better than expected. That's been a recent theme. Retail sales needed to sharpen the pencil, the economists on this one, Ryan, didn't they? Uh, The expectation was that monthly improvement in August would be 0.2 0.2 of a percent. We got triple that. We did. We saw retail sales lift by 0.6%. What I'd add, though, that while this suggested some resilience for the consumer, at the same time, there were some downward revisions to prior months for these numbers. But also, at the same time, what economists look at is the so-called control group sales. So I know it sounds a little bit boring, but they're used to calculate gross domestic product, which feeds into economic growth, which is very important, and excludes food services, auto dealers, building materials stores, and gasoline stations. They rose just 0.1%, the smallest advance in five months. So if you take out those high gasoline prices or petrol prices that you saw at service stations in America in the month, and you're then seeing the, here now, then certainly the overall picture of retail spending isn't quite as strong as those headline numbers suggest. Indeed, but uh, something that again was stronger than expected last night was the reading on producer inflation. So I, I thought that the CPI numbers the day before got a pass. They were being couched as being a bit hot, but the inflation number that we got at the producer level in August came in higher than expected at 0.7 of a percent for the month. So uh, the market was looking for a figure of closer to 0.4, and that did antagonize the picture around US interest rates. We actually saw a decent move higher for two-year government bonds. They uh, rose by four basis points to 4.01%, 10 years up by about three basis points to 428 The other thing to bear in mind, the core level uh, of the uh, producer inflation measure at its lowest level since the beginning of 2021, Ryan. Absolutely. So just to unpack that, so if you look at those wholesale prices, the producer prices at a headline level, as you mentioned, up 0.7%, that 
That was the most since June 2022, but the cost of gasoline surged 20% and accounted for much of the gain. So if you exclude energy, the wholesale inflation picture was more favorable. As you mentioned, the core number was up by a more modest 0.2%, and the actual annualized number number eased from 2.4% to 2.2%. So what markets are focusing on at the moment, it's really important. Everyone's getting caught up in the headline numbers, which is stronger mm. than expected on the back of those rising energy prices. But central banks look at core numbers. They exclude the volatile numbers around food and energy, and they're behaving themselves much better than the headline numbers at the moment. So a lot of look through going on. You could actually argue that uh, whilst the effort by uh, OPEC and allied producers in relation to manufacturing a higher oil price is quite cynical you know, when the world economy could do with a hand. The, uh, the effort here is actually going to help central banks with headline inflation, potentially taking some pressure off them in terms of needing to raise rates in the near time, soaking up all of those excess savings, which will, in one way or another, be directed to uh, the coffers of the Middle East. Well, that's a good point. So certainly that will be a weight on consumers as far mm. as spending is concerned. And certainly at the moment, those cost of living pressures are still evident and aren't going away soon. So amidst all of that, Ryan, I think uh, as we pointed out earlier, gains in, of you know between three quarter and 1% for US indices uh, in the face of rising bond yields. Not a bad performance for the stocks last night. It really did revive speculation that the US Federal Reserve will be able to engineer a soft landing, even if it keeps interest rates higher for longer. So the economic data last night, while, as I mentioned, stronger at headline level, take out those energy prices and not quite as strong. So it does exhibit some consumer resilience at the moment, which is favorable. But at the same time, that demand side is starting to ease a little bit. So that was supportive. But of course, we had some company news as well. Indeed. Every component in the Dow Bar Visa rose. So you had uh, Goldman Sachs up by almost 3%, JP Morgan up by around 2%. And what stood out to me, Ryan, is that you're only seeing an anemic recovery for Apple shares at the moment. So they were only up by about a percent, uh, having fallen by more than 8% over the course of the last week or so. So uh, they're very slow to recover at the moment at a time when uh, the broader technology complex is doing reasonably well. Well, that's right. And at the same time, what we have seen is NVIDIA's leadership in the chip space erode a little bit as well. So there's been a bit of a, a shift to Micron technology and Broadcom. They added between 1.4% and 2.2% last night, Well, whereas NVIDIA actually underperformed those stocks. But the key thing last night was the debut of SoftBank's ARM holdings on the NASDAQ. And what we saw there was quite a strong debut. In fact, the shares are up about 24%. So ARM is a chip design company. SoftBank owns about 90% of the company at the offering, and ARM's customers include Apple, Google, NVIDIA, and Samsung, and they've said they'll buy shares in the IPO. So they've got some significant customers there. And what we did see as well is the company's American depository shares open at $56.10 a piece, compared with the initial public offering of $51. And that's a sign of confidence for other companies planning to list. Ryan, the futures are pointing to a reasonable start for the local share market this morning, up by 1.1% or 79 points. Got some important Chinese figures to look at today. These could be meaningful. They could be. And of course, the Aussie market today will be supported by energy producers. We saw the Brent price up by 2% to 93.70 US dollars a barrel. The US NYMEX price or the WTI was up 1.9% 
above 90 US dollars a barrel at 90.16 US dollars a barrel for the first time since November last year. Gold futures were flat. Iron ore was up for just three cents to five-month highs of 120.56 US dollars a tonne. That should provide support for the Aussie market today. But of course, as you mentioned, Tom, a lot will hinge on the economic data out of China today. And of course, we have the three key components. We have retail spending. That's expected to accelerate to 3% in August from the prior year. That would be a pickup from July's 2.5%. That's likely to be on the back of a busy summer travel period. So flights in China jumped 13.7% last month compared to the similar time frame before the pandemic. And we have seen government measures to spur spending on cars taking hold as well. So retail spending will be very important because the consumers in the doldrums at the moment Industrial output is expected to have grown 3.9% last month, up a little bit from 3.7%. And of course, we have seen official gorges around factories close to the 50 mark. If you look at those purchasing manager index, signaling that the contraction in the sector has stopped. So we have seen Beijing policies visibly more supportive in the last month around the property sector in particular. And also, if you look at fixed asset investment, that's likely expanded 3.3% through the first eight months of the year around levels that we did see. But we have seen Chinese provinces increasing their issuance of special local bonds to fund infrastructure projects and boost economic activity. And finally, Ryan, let's uh, wrap up the Aussie dollar. The US dollar under the circumstances last night did pretty well, um, up a half of 1%, uh, helped by that stronger uh, news in relation to retail sales, you'd think that helped push uh, the dollar index a little bit higher, helped by those higher bond deals. That's uh, made a bit of a casualty of the Aussie dollar, not by much though. Not really. The Aussie dollar was one of the more resilient currencies and that was probably due to the strength in the iron ore price and Chinese policy moves. So we did see the Aussie dollar lift from 64.19 cents to 64.57 cents, currently trading at 64.35 cents, Tom. And good luck to everyone with their various sporting teams with the finals weekend. Obviously, Tom's got high hopes on Carlton. I've tipped the Demons to win the AFL, which is very unlikely, <laughs> so I'm kind of uh, at opposed ends here. It's it's unusual that you and I would be emotionally opposed, Ryan, when we're so synchronised normally, but um, I hope you are wrong, my friend. Good luck to the Blues. Go the Baggins. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067-254-399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.